This is the time of week, the day of the week, that we uh, are joined by Dr. Iris Gorfinkel. We've had a chance to speak to her many times, and uh, Jeff more frequently than I. She is a physician, vaccine researcher, founder of Prime Health Clinical Research, and the topic, the main topic today, Dr. Gorfinkel, booster shots. Lots of people talking about booster shots, but you can't get a booster shot unless you're special in Ontario, and it doesn't look like, aside from the special people, which you can elaborate on, we're going to see them uh, disseminate amongst the population very soon. Well, the world has its eye on Israel because Israel was the first to inoculate its population. Let's turn the clock back to just June. June, Israel was the darling of the world. Their case counts were practically down to zero. 57% of its population at that time had been fully vaccinated. And what happened? They let down the masks. They decided who needs the vaccine passports. They allowed travel. And by the end of August, it was incredible, 11,000 cases a day. They went from one extreme all the way to the other extreme. Delta was identified in July. You know, so Delta is a real game changer on this. And so learning from Israel's experience, we've got to be really humble about this. And I think Alberta would agree. Yeah, you know, I, I look at Israel, and I remember Israel announcing, and you're right, it was mid, midway through the year, uh, we're done. You know, we've, we've basically had, uh, in, injected some of this stuff into everybody who wanted it. So we are, for all intents and purposes, fully vaccinated. We think we're kind of at herd immunity. And that turned out to be 60-something percent. And as we know painfully well, even here in Ontario, where we're pushing the 80% mark for double vaxes, we're going to hit it in the next week or so, we know that you can get breakthrough cases, and we certainly know what happens to people who haven't vaccinated. I think one thing that's thrown a lot of people off is the number of people needed to get vaccinated in order to achieve herd immunity for Delta. Because Delta is more than twice as contagious as the original variant, it means that 90% of all Canadians have to be vaccinated. And until we have a vaccine for the kids who are, 12, who are under 12, which is 12% of the population, we're not going to be able to achieve herd immunity. So but herd immunity that, in Ontario, Dr. Gorfinkel, we're talking, if we're really lucky, next spring. Well, I think realistically, yes. And that's why, you know, we have to learn from Alberta. Who doesn't want to let down all the guards? Who doesn't want to allow full travel and forget about masks? But the problem is every single jurisdiction that has done that so far has been slammed. And, you know, I hate to use the word slam because so many public health officials have not been right about what, what we've said. But one thing we can know for sure, the projections are spot on about Delta. We cannot take this for granted. And moreover, the more cases there are, the, that increases the likelihood of further variants developing. Very well, sad. No, you don't have to convince me. I have too many friends who uh, have been fully vaccinated and still wound up getting what amounts to a pretty god-awful flu that lasts a week, and that was COVID. So it's there, and, and these are people who are being very careful. So let's talk about the booster, because people seem to, to believe that the booster will help them. It sounds from the Israel experience and the American experience like it is, or at least uh, those two countries want to administer it. Is there a chance that we will see booster shots administered anytime soon to Canadians who are maybe of uh, uh, an age, or I think we already are doing things in long-term care settings, but regular people. Is there a chance for a booster sometime soon? No, 
I don't think we're going to see a booster for everyone anytime soon. And that's because when you take a look at the hospitalizations and the deaths, they still fall squarely into those who have been not vaccinated. So 98% of individuals who are getting hospitalized or, and dying from the disease, let's put dying in ICU visits, they constitute a very small percentage. Let's look at the Ontario data, for example. Just getting it, seven times the risk if for people who are unvaccinated. What about hospitalization? 25 times higher in individuals who have not been vaccinated. ICU visits, 63 times higher in those who have not been vaccinated. So the lesson here is, yes, get vaccinated. But how do we convince the people who don't want to? Will we see boosters tomorrow? I don't think we're going to see it for everybody because it's a lot more complicated than just that. There's questions around safety. I'll remind you that myocarditis, true, it's not very common. However, it was more common after the second dose. And we don't have data on what happens after that third dose. So I think we do have to be somewhat cautious. Where the data lands squarely is, who benefits from it most? Without any doubt, people who are severely immunosuppressed, emphasize that word severely. So what does that mean? On active chemotherapy, you've had an organ transplant, you know, you're on drugs or you have a condition that makes you extremely immunosuppressed. So these are the ones who are getting it now. And in Ontario, add to that people who are older, you know, and people living like in retirement homes we're talking about and chronic care. Okay, so if if we uh, take the booster, uh, I want to save some time and talk a little bit about Pfizer's vaccine and use in children 5 to 11, but I want to ask you one last question about the boosters. It sounds from what you're saying, because of the uh, the percentages that are getting sick now being mostly, uh, I would even say predominantly from the unvaccinated, when that statistic starts to change, say, let's just pick a month, in March, we, you know, the weather's cold, the winds are blowing, and we start to see that the hospitals are filling up with people who are unvaccinated, but no more than 50%. The other 50% or even more than that are people who have been double-vaxxed, which means that they are losing the uh, the strength that was inherent in the vaccine that they got by then. It'll be pushing on a year ago. I would think that would be the time to be talking about boosters. You know something, and Israel did see that happening. Israel saw it happening more commonly in people who are older. Israel saw it happening in those with chronic conditions, comorbidities as they're called. So could it happen here? Absolutely. And I think we just have to keep our ear to the ground and try to balance that against what are the risks of the rest of the world not being vaccinated. We know that people in low income countries, less than 2% have had even one dose. And what does that mean? Does that affect us? Of course it affects us because that raises the risk of even worse variants arising, variants that could escape our the immune reaction from the vaccines that we have or that are deadlier. So we have to be very cautious around that. Indeed. So let's move to children's vaccine. Pfizer says they have the appropriate dosing and uh, they can administer it to kids 5 to 11 and they've applied to be able to do that. Um, kids under 12 don't have a vaccine approved in Ontario, uh, but they're going to school where they congregate. What do we think about the future, especially under Delta, for getting this particular Pfizer vaccine for kids approved and administering to kids as low as five? 
without any doubt, it raises the bar because Health Canada has a tough choice to make here. The data that we have is based on some 2,300 children. And what that showed is that the antibody levels were pretty much the same as what they had been in teenagers. And remember, Canada was the first country to have approved Pfizer in kids, 12 and over. So will they now approve it in five to 11? It is one third the dose, which is good. Maybe that'll mean we'll have see less of a myocarditis signal. In the United States, what's happened? The FDA has said to Pfizer, give us another 3,000 kids. We wanna make sure that there's not a safety signal with myocarditis that's higher in the younger children, which I'm happy about they're watching. But of course that has to be weighed against the ongoing harm of COVID-19 in kids. So yes, you're right, push me back, tell me. It's one in a thousand kids who gets hospitalized in Canada. But if you multiply that by the millions of kids that Canada has, you wind up with potentially a lot of hospitalizations in children. Well, clearly with clearly with this illness and uh, the way it moves and with the Delta variant, we have to stay on point. And Dr. Gorfinkel, you're one of the people that helps. Thank you so much. Many thanks for having me. All right, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, she is a physician, a vaccine researcher, a founder of Prime Health Clinical Research, and uh, she joins us on this program with Jeff MacArthur every week at this time, right here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.